Today we have another very special episode of Cloud Nine Thin. I'm your host, Catherine Hidalgo, a loans reporter, and this week I travel to Cannes for the International Private Equity Market Conference, better known as IPEM, for a mega meeting of the private equity industry and all its advisors. Today I'm going to be giving you an overview of the conference, providing some insights from delegates and giving listeners uh, a look into two of the panels. The conference was a blowout with 4,500 registered attendees who came from far and wide. Suits descended upon the Palais de Festival in the mornings and come 5pm the beach clubs of Cannes in droves. Many thanks to Anderson, the tax law firm, Odo BHF and BlackRock for their fantastic hospitality. While the Tixes did throw a good party, we do hope next year they might spring for an open bar. The agenda was certainly P-heavy, as you can imagine, with updates from industry members on many of the trends affecting the asset class, such as the democratisation of PE, long-term capital and GP stake sales. Notably, ESG took centre stage, being mentioned on every panel I saw, with several keynotes dedicated to topics like engaging with fund managers on diversity and inclusion, and if we can technologise out of climate change. Conference delegates were pleased to be back in Cannes. The conference had a real buzz and meetings were occurring at every nook and cranny. But as was made clear on most panels, the industry has turned its head towards the recession ahead. The macroeconomics of the day shed shadows across an otherwise bright week. As cool as cucumbers though, most PE professionals are looking for the opportunities in this market, rolling up their sleeves for a strong distressed deal flow and showing optimistic faces, at least on panels. Here we have some highlights from two. First up, as CLOs look to consolidate, so do sponsors. This is Benoit Duteste, CEO and CIO of ICG, and Virginie Morgan, CEO of Eurasio, discussing how much they expect the private equity industry to consolidate. Medium long term, for sure. Uh, because, again, I think this is just the natural evolution of any industry as it's maturing. You're going through a phase of consolidation. So, for sure, you will see that happening. You'll see every You'll see mergers, you'll see straight out you know, buyouts, you'll see everything happening. Uh, but yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that you will see more of it. There was an acceleration in the, uh, in the past few years. You're also going to see that as, uh, and again, there might be a pause, but I'm sure it will resume, as more and more managers list themselves, as we are, um, you know, they have to start thinking of it differently as well. And that will also push for a further consolidation. Well, there's already two trends which are very much happening. A classic asset manager who see you know, their economics um, under pressure, uh, willing to de deploy and expand into more value add. So, you know, the, the deals, um, the buying of Lexington, 17 Capital, and the like, are central. Uh, there's been a few of those classic asset management, very aggressive um, into alternative asset management. Then you have like the secondaries, um, so you sell part of your know, minority stake of your firm, uh, so that you avoid going, you know, to the public markets for different reasons. Either your mono asset, which makes your life a bit more complicated, or you're too small, but you need you need capital to expand, to seed, um, to attract um, teams, and and start new adventure and launch new products. So we've seen that in many different cases. So that industry of providing secondary, um, not in the sense of you know in the sense of the private fund, but you know minority stake in GPs, uh, we grow very fast as well. Just look at you know the, 
you know, just look at how much large investment banks are investing in the space. That will give you a hint as to you know, how much activity they think is going to happen in the next few years. The next panel we're hearing was on long-term and patient capital. This is Armin Panosian, Head of Performing Credit and a Portfolio Manager at Oak Tree Capital Management. He's discussing what long-term capital means in the credit sphere. Credit, there are so many sub-asset classes that it means different things depending on which credit area you're looking at. And as you mentioned, in private credit, typically speaking, the maturities are five to seven years. The experience around rotation of portfolios is usually three to five years in terms of actual uh, you know, loan staying in the portfolio. So in terms of patient capital from private credit, it means taking on potentially extension risk around what was historically a shorter term uh, you know, velocity around those positions. But I, but I would also say that generally speaking, other than our evergreen structures, our funds are relatively short. I mean, our funds have a 10-year fund life at most at Oak Tree. They usually have a three or four year investment period and a very large portion of the investments are liquid and exitable soon thereafter or right after the investment period is over. So the return of capital is, the velocity around it is fairly quick and therefore the fixed hurdle versus a floating one usually is not a, the first conversation that, that a client brings up. Here, Nadeem El-Gabani, Senior Managing Director for Private Equity for Blackstone, discusses the difference between long-term capital and the firm's traditional PE strategy, with a little bit of insight into how he feels about Merlin Entertainment. Panossian chips in at the end there on how anti-cyclical businesses are best. It tends to be, as we're underwriting them, the reliance is a little bit less on the operational value add. How do you radically change how this company is, is delivering its services to its customers? Uh, and much more about the initial conditions, like how good is this industry? How good is this company's place in this industry? Um, are we very, very confident that we are not taking binary risks uh, around regulation, you know, sensitivity to macroeconomic changes. Of course, if you're investing across 15 years, you will not have a predictive model of how that looks. Uh, you need to be very confident that you know, if, the world, if the world changes from a low interest rate environment to a high interest rate environment, to tee up your next question, I think, um, you have a portfolio of assets that will react to that in a predictable way. You know, the good news is we tend to buy businesses that have you know, irreplaceable market positions. You know, when we buy, uh, when we buy Merlin Entertainment, which is the you know, second largest owner of theme parks and, and location-based entertainment in the world, you know, the London Eye is not disappearing tomorrow. These are irreplaceable assets. You know, people will want to do this. This is not the changes that we see in today's environment may impact what we have to pay our suppliers and how how fast we have to raise prices to our consumers, uh, and what our investments in technology and digital will have to be over the future. But they don't change the nature of these companies. We're not trying to take that kind of risk in our long-term funds, and we think that's critically important. Yeah, and I would say in credit, we try to lend to those types of companies. The companies that don't go away, the companies that don't cycle harder than GDP. In fact, we usually try to find companies that don't cycle at all. Obviously, it's hard to it's hard to do that. But one of the areas of investing that I oversee within private credit is life sciences, and life sciences in particular is a nice differentiator, uncorrelated with GDP. At the end of the day, the performance of life sciences companies that are curing cancer is how good are they at scientific innovation. So that's one way to introduce an uncorrelated industry to an otherwise fairly post portfolio. A major issue for sponsors this year has of course been the high cost of funding. 
Investment banks have been bending over backwards to finance LBOs, tapping dollar markets, engaging with direct lenders on a regular basis and often with even GIC, the Singaporean Wealth Fund, getting involved on syndicated deals. I spoke to three GPs, one from PAI, one from Capvis and one from Cathay Capital in the Growth Equity Focus Healthcare Fund at the Chinese firm to hear about what their concerns were regarding cost of funding. I'm here with Yvonne Massonet, a partner at PAI Partners, and I'm asking you today, how has the cost of funding increase uh, this year affected your business and how have you been dealing with it? That's a very good question. Wish I had the answer to that. <laughs> uh, but trying to put it in perspective and, you know, as somebody having joined that firm 22 years ago and having seen many cycles, um, I would say our strategy has not been so much impacted by that rising cost of capital first because that's not how we create value. I mean, financial leverage and engineering is not the way we create value. It's really by transforming businesses operationally that we do so. And also uh, because obviously it will lead eventually to a lowering of multiples. Uh, of course, we have to look at the portfolio and the businesses we've acquired in the last few years to see whether those multiples that we've acquired them at are sustainable. And the short answer to that is yes, because we haven't really stretched our sector focus over the last few years. We haven't gone to, I would say, high valuation sectors tech sector, software sectors, etc. And therefore, when you look at our recent years of investment, let's say the last two or three years, and if you compare that with the older vintages that we've invested, you see entry multiples that are very similar. And because we invest in the real economy, our businesses generate cash. And if there is eventually a pressure on the valuation multiples, we will compensate that by a slightly longer ownership period some M&A along the way to help foster value creation in a downturn and therefore not really fearing for the capital we have at work. And obviously, so that's looking backward, if you will. And if you look forward, so pipeline, deal flow, then of course it has slowed down everything. Today, raising capital and raising debt for any deal is challenging again. But frankly, you could almost say it's a good news because the industry had to be sort of slowed down, was going to levels that were not sustainable. We talked about valuations, but we could also talk about the financing packages and the debts that was available in certain sectors, which was not really sustainable. So I think going forward, this will bring more discipline. It means that not all the assets will be financeable in the short term. And I can see a world where it takes another year or a couple of years to sort of adjust to a new valuation environment and a new business environment, uh, but in that period, deals will continue to be done. And our job is to find those jewels that tick enough boxes to, to reassure financing partners, so the, the banks, the, the, the credit funds, uh, and do those deals together. And because, again, I've been around a few cycles, I remember vintages like 2001, 2, 3, 2009, 10, 11, and I'm ready to bet we are entering that period, which would be a difficult period for investing and raising funds, but a fantastic period from a performance standpoint because we will be more disciplined and buying assets at a better price uh, and creating eventually stronger returns. I'm here with Daniel Flake, managing partner at Capvis. How has the increase in cost of funding this year impacted your business and how are you dealing with it? <laughs> 
So we are a mid-market player and focusing on the Germanic region. So in that region, in that segment, the cost increase has been smaller compared to other markets and the larger transactions. So we are observing the situation. We are thinking about hedging uh, of our interest rates. But so far, we are very relaxed. We still find financing. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you, would you say? At the moment, I'm not very concerned, but uh, the situation might change uh, if further interest rate increase from the EZB. So I would say today I'm more at the three, but uh, it could go to seven or eight. I'm here with GIE, um, a managing director for the healthcare fund at Cathay Capital. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so my first question would be, uh, how concerned you about the cost of funding for your portfolio companies? Yeah, when we think about cost of funding, um, basically um, this is not as correlated um, to the public markets yet uh, because, uh, as you know, it takes there is a lag of about 18 months or more uh, between the valuations uh, of the public markets are reflected uh, in the private markets. Uh, especially when uh, companies are not in a rush uh, of raising the next round because they have a long runway. But um, increasingly, we are seeing, um, we are benchmarking more um, of the valuations, entry valuations with the uh, broader market because uh, we always need to think about the exit and that is tied, um, tightly uh, to, to the um, public markets. So I hope that gives our listeners an overview of IPEM in Cannes, which was a fantastic experience. Thank you to the conference organisers and to all the banks and law firms whose hospitalities we so enthusiastically enjoyed. Hopefully I'll see you next year. Thanks very much to all our speakers who were happy to chat, sometimes with less than a minute's notice, but mainly thank you to you listeners. I've written some bits of conference coverage, so head to ninefin.com slash insights where you can see some of our content in front of the paywall or you can drop us an email at team at ninefin.com. We're always keen to hear your suggestions for topic ideas, your comments on our discussion and your feedback on the platform. If you like this podcast, don't forget to like and share it. Tune in for the US edition next week. I'll be back the week after.